Alrighty, the fragrance of summer sunshine is slipping away and it's being quickly replaced with, you all know what it's being replaced with because you hear about it on the news, pumpkin spice. It's everywhere. It's on everything. And we are now in that season. The, um, <clears throat> the sweet lip smack and juice of strawberries is replaced with what? The crunch of an apple. It's where we're living right now, September 22nd. So to represent this season, you all have an apple. I want you to unwrap it. And you all have this apple. You've all received an apple. And I want you to look at your apple because this apple represents you. You. Linnell, did you get an apple? Here. Yeah. You've got to have an apple or you're not here. <laughs> so look at your apple and turn to the lady next to you and say, this is you. Tell her. This is you. All right? Now, now what I want you to do, see, I know I, I open you up to one word and I just lose you, don't I? Now what I want you to do is now we get to name our apple because after identification comes naming. It's a part of life. So perhaps you say to yourself, oh, this is me. I'm a red delicious or I'm a pink lady. Or perhaps I'm a honey crisp. That's my personal favorite. I'm a honey crisp. Or maybe, I'll tell you what my favorite is. It's what I am. I'm a Granny Smith. I'm a <laughs> Granny Smith. And I love being that apple. Or maybe this morning was really difficult. How many had a difficult morning already this morning? Raise your hand if you had a difficult morning. Yep, yep. Okay, you know what? Morning, you had a difficult morning, and, and maybe you're sitting here this morning, and because of the difficulties, you're sitting here, and you're not a red delicious, you're not a honey crisp, you're a crab. <laughs> you're a crab apple. Oh, it's not showing on the outside, but deep inside you're going, you know, crab apple. So with all of these that we are, now I'm going to tell you the kind of apple that we all are. Ready? Look at your apple. This is me. And Kathy, this is what you really are. You are a rotten apple. You, Kathy, are a rotten apple. Now, what I want you to do is turn to your neighbor. Instead of telling her she's a rotten apple, I want you to say, I'm a rotten apple. Go ahead. <laughs> it hurts, doesn't it? You see, Romans tells us, for all have sinned. We're all Sinners, And I love this verse in 1 John 1.8 because we're going to talk about deception a little bit. But 1 John 1.8 says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Deceived. I was actually deceived by an apple. I purchased the most beautiful, a huge, glorious caramel apple. I love it when the caramel is almost as thick as the apple, and that this thing was heavy, okay? Not only was it covered with caramel, but it had two different types of coverings of chocolate. Yep, Peggy, we got it. But then, if that were not enough in the coverings, it was 
coated with crushed pecans. Oh, my word, it was huge. It was awesome. I totally did not mind paying what I paid for it. There's no way I could eat it then. It was so big and so tightly compacted with all of its coverings, I had to take it home and get a knife, you know, and I sliced into it. My mouth was watering. You know underneath your tongue when that starts happening? I sliced it, and Marilyn, it was rotten, rotten, brown rotten. I turned it over. I sliced the other side, rotten. I turned it upside down. I took that stick out. I split it right in half, and it was, tell me, rotten. it was rotten. I wouldn't have been surprised. It was so rotten. I wouldn't have been surprised to find a worm in it. That's how rotten it was. By the way, do you know how the worm gets into the apple? When you see a wormhole in the apple, don't you wonder if the worm is still there? <laughs> the worm gets into the apple before the worm is a worm and before the apple is an apple. See, back in the spring when that apple tree comes out in all of its glorious beauty and it's just a show of art, those sweet apple blossoms attract with its scent what is called a maggot fly. That maggot fly flies into that blossom, burrows down in the center of it, and lays its eggs. The, the apple continues to develop, and as it does, the eggs hatch. They hatch, and they become worms, actually called railroad worms, which is very appropriate because they start tunneling through the apple, eating and devouring and rottening, decaying the apple from the inside out. The apple finally gets so decayed, it drops from the limb, falls to the ground. What happens to the worm? Well, that's a whole other issue of metamorphosis. What I want you to know is that where does the worm come from in the apple? It's born there. The apple is not rotten in the core, to the core, it's rotten in the core. And it mirrors humanity. We are born how? In sin. We are born in sin. And the fact of the matter is, as we are born in sin, we too are not rotten to the core, we're rotten in the core. So my dear friend, when I say this apple that is you is rotten, it is the truth of the word of God that we are rotten in the core. So with that truth nailed down, look at your apple again, and this is fun. Your apple, the only thing it has on it, ready, is skin. All it's got is skin. It has a covering, and its covering is skin. Now, to me, this apple needs much more of a covering, okay? This is an appropriate covering for an apple, okay? And two of you that raised your hand first on, you had a rough morning, you get that apple covered appropriately. Now, with that covering... We, too, come into this life. Don't you all wish you would have raised your hand and said you are having a rotten morning? <laughs> we, too, come into this life with 
Nothing but our skin. Okay? And because we are rotten in the core, we too need a covering. And God so wondrously, graciously supplies you and me with that covering. Think back to the back to the Garden of Eden where it all began with mankind. Adam and Eve were deceived, disobeyed, bit into the forbidden fruit. This is really interesting, too. I've not done any research on this, but, you know, we, mankind typically talks about Eve eating the apple. Have you ever noticed what's on your apple phone? It's a bite out of the apple. Interesting, huh? Okay, well, that has nothing to do with our lesson. So, but anyways, <laughs> they bit into the forbidden fruit, and they tried. What did they immediately try to do? They immediately tried to make a covering for their skin and their sin. Didn't work. It wasn't adequate. And girls, man-made coverings never bring wholeness or repair or healing. Matter of fact, man-made coverings continue the decay and the rot every single time. So what is the first thing you and I do when we sin? In other words, what's our first reaction when you sin? Okay, part of it, yep. Some of you are going, I have no, I have no clue. Well, what do you mean? Well, so look at, the, look, at the lady, look at the lady next to you and say, what's the first thing you do when you do wrong? You blame, which is an excuse. The first thing we do when we do wrong is we pick up that natural covering that man-made covering, and we blame. It's, um, it goes with, well, it's not my fault. Yeah. Oh, see, you're good at it. We begin <laughs> with blaming. It's not my fault. Or, or here's another one. Here's another man-made covering that we, we quickly grab when we do wrong. Well, if you wouldn't have done that, I wouldn't have done this. Or if you wouldn't have said that, I wouldn't have said this. And so, again, it's, this, it's just this blaming thing that goes on that just completely multiplies the rotting that's going on inside. Um, and then, oh, there's so many favorite ones. I did not, well, you never told me that it would turn out like this. So it's somebody else's fault about the circumstances that I chose, that I had a part in. But it's not my fault because you didn't warn me, you didn't tell me. Cracks me. Oh, it doesn't crack me up. It, it sadly irritates me. This vaping that's so popular now, and they're going, oh, "We didn't know it could hurt us." You're sucking that stuff down into your lungs, and it's doing a a very fast decaying of what cigarette smoking does. Of course, it's just going right into the lungs. You didn't tell me it was going to do that. We blame others for our wrong choices. Or this is the famous one. You ready? It's my mother's fault. <laughs> it was my mother. It was my mother, okay? Blaming. Well, girls, it started in the Garden of Eden. Some of you mothers and daughters are looking at each other. <laughs> and it continues... In our living room today, and when I blame, 
all it does is make the cut go deeper. But it's such an easy man-made covering. It comes so naturally. It keeps relationships rotting. And that's just what Satan wants. That's what he wanted in the Garden of Eden and what he wants in your life and my life today. Matter of fact, when Adam was confronted with his sin and he picked up the very fast covering, the man-made covering of blame, he blamed, he started out blaming God. Listen to what he says. The woman who thou gavest me. You know, we girls are really good at putting the emphasis on the right word. Well, Adam really did it here. God said, why? Did you eat? And he said, well, the woman thou gavest me, she gave me to eat. So he had a twofold blame. And when he did that, Satan just did a huge high five with all the demons because he said, I did it. I not only separated them from God, but I've separated them from each other because she is never going to forget that Adam threw her under the bus at the first opportunity. She. And that's, and that's what blaming does. Blaming so uh, stirs the pot, as anger always does, and blame is a form of anger, um, it stirs that pot, and it keeps it alive. God, our gracious God, who loves us, looks at our rot and says, Child, I've got a covering for you. I've got a covering for you to use that will bring healing again, that will bring wholeness again, that will stop the rot from destroying yourself, and everyone in your life. So, turn to your Bibles to Psalm 119, verse 96. You're going to love this. Psalm 119, 96. Now, who's writing this chapter, girls? Well, actually, God is writing it, but God is inspiring David to write. Okay, it's David. So, Psalm 119, verse 96. Now, think about David. And always when you read scripture, think about the person God is using on purpose to, to communicate his word to you and me. Here's David. David is king, okay? He's king. But think of David as a person. David was, first of all, handsome, strong. He was a conqueror. I mean, as a teenager, he was doing great feats. David is also extremely musical. He is very talented. He writes his music. It's one thing to play your music beautifully, but he writes his music. And so as, as I think about this, on a scale of 1 to 10 man, he's like 10 plus, okay? And God is telling him to write this. So you have to picture it. Musical people, now not always, but musical, especially extremely musical people, tend to be dramatic. They're the drama mamas. <laughs> it's how God made them. The drama. I, I love drama. I'm picturing Autumn right now. Drama. <laughs> David 
lives with an internal drama going on in his life, let alone the fact that he did live with drama. He was king. Anytime you're in a position of leadership, you're going to be dealing with drama, okay? So God tells him to write this. And I almost see him put down his pen and literally go, I have seen an end of all perfection. <laughs> and I love this. I've seen an end of all perfection. It's with intensity. It's with energy. It's with sadness. It's with Murphy's Law-ness. It's like, yeah, everything turns out bad. Starts good. Everything turns out bad. In parentheses, wife number seven. <laughs> okay, this is girls' class. He's king. And everything he began fell apart. Girls, it's a part of our fallen life that we live in. This life is under the curse of sin. Everything that begins beautifully needs constant maintenance, whether it's a relationship, uh, whether it's an, uh, a circumstance, whether it's a building, whether it's a classroom, whether it's um, a car, whether it's children, whether it's your husband, whether it's your parents, Everything needs constant maintenance because the moment it's perfect, it begins to unravel. It's this life. Now, the next one's not going to be like that. But this one, under the curse of sin, is like that. So here's David saying, I've seen an end to all perfection. Now, <clears throat> this part gets really, really good. Um, he'd had it. He's king. He tried it all. He'd done it all. None of it stayed perfect. Really? So what do we do when people don't stay perfect? When people aren't perfect? Do you know what? God has a covering for my skin. And God has a covering for your skin. And God has a covering for the people who aren't perfect, of whom Paul said, I'm chief. So what is that covering? I can't wait to tell you because you need to use it today because some of you are going to be living with some imperfect people today, all right? Or something, some circumstance is going to come in and it's not going to be what you expected. Before I tell you what that covering is, what will stop the rot and what will bring healing, let me tell you why it is. And for that, you have to go back to Psalm 19. Memorize Psalm 19 if you haven't, if you have not already memorized. Turn your Bibles to Psalm 19, and we're going to go to verse number 8. You need to memorize Psalm 19. Psalm 19, God's word says, the commandment, now understand that, oh, you know what? I didn't finish, I didn't finish David, did I? It says, I've seen an end of all perfection. But what does it say next? But thy commandment is exceeding broad. Now get this. Have you ever had somebody steal the blanket from you night after night after night after night? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just not a big enough blanket. When God is dealing with our imperfections and other people's imperfections, he's, he's saying, no, 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 I've got a covering for you to use that is huge. It's going to cover 
the imperfections. I've got you covered. When you study Psalm 119 and what David has said, and when you said, and what you, when you deal with somebody again, or something again, maybe it's a health issue again, or maybe it's a financial issue again, understand God has me covered. In this, which is no longer perfect, God has me covered. Carol's not sure about what to do concerning the lung infection. Carol, God has you covered. And as you pray, God will lead you day by day, step by step, according to his will. He has you covered. So now in Psalm, one, or Psalm 19, verse number 8, God's word says, um, his commandment, the statutes of, what is it? Of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. No, no, verse 8. Okay. Yep. There we go. There. Thank you, my birthday girl. The commandment. Again, this commandment is going, referring back to the commandment that God has something to tell you that's going to keep you covered. He's got something for my skin. He's got something for my sin. He's got something for everybody I deal with to cover them. Thy, com- thy commandment, the statutes of the Lord. I did have this memory. Yeah, rejoice now. Oh, yeah. And we did a lesson on that. Okay, the consequence of having that, the statutes of the Lord. But the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. In other words, God has something in this command he's going to give me that allows me to see what I won't naturally see. And girls, when you're dealing with imperfection, whether it be in a person or a circumstance, what do you see? All we see is what's wrong. All we see is the hopelessness of it. And God says, no, child, I've got something I want you to see, and it's tucked in this commandment that's exceedingly broad. I've got you covered. First of all, understand, I've got you covered. Now, that's, that's the why. Now, let me give you a, what the commandment is, because this is huge. This is so beautiful and so practical for every day. God wants me to see something that I'm not seeing. And oh, by the way, when will I see what God sees? When I obey his command. And not until. Girls, God can tell me to do something and I can play let's make a deal and I can go on and on and on and I will never see it and I will never get it. And so many Christians live at this level. They just don't understand and in our human reasoning Leslie we don't and God addresses that he says lean not on your own understanding child I will direct you but it happens when you activate your faith and saying God by faith I will take your covering and I will use it on this person and in this circumstance because God wants me to see what he sees and only will I see it when I obey it and not before. And I can stay stuck in my rot and in the unfairness of that situation for the rest of my life. And I'll begin doubting God and his goodness and it takes and Satan takes us on a downward trail because I have refused to give up my right to be angry or, or to be hurt. And I never received the grace that God says, Child, this is your covering. It's going to free you. Okay, let's get into this. Now comes the command. 
It is the keeping of the command that God reveals what he wants me to see. So are you ready to see the command that covers my sin? Okay, turn to the lady next to you and say, are you ready to see the covering that's going to cover your sin? All right, yes, all right. The reference is, you say, it better be broad. Well, it is. God's covering is exceedingly broad, his command. It's found in Proverbs 10, 12, and God says, here's my covering. Love covereth all sin. Love, Elaine. But, you know, we so generically um, talk about this and never really practically put it into experience. Yes, God is love. Um, hmm. He is. But God says, no, you've got to tie this in to the obedience of the command that I'm giving you that's going to keep you covered, that's going to stop you from rotting. God's love covers my sin. How? Here we are. This is the practical application of God's love that's going to cover us. How? Number one, first sub-point under God loves me is this, forgiveness. Tell the lady next to you, tell her forgiveness. It's it's forgiveness. Every time it's forgiveness. Ephesians 4.32, God says to me, Kathy, the covering I have given you is this. Be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. That's the covering I want you to use right now. And you know what Kathy says? I don't want to. I want them to suffer. Uh, I I want them to get what they've given out. Um, I'd rather just worry about this, Lord, for the rest of my life. Yep. And he says, child, I've got a covering for you to use. I've got a covering that will bring healing and wholeness. And I do, let's make a deal. I say, well, okay, I'm a pastor's wife. I can't hate them. I'll just never speak to them ever again. (laughs) Or I will unfriend them. Uh, The sub-points. Girls, the sub-points under forgiveness. We are such slow learners. God then tells me, he says, let's break it down. You better get this, girl, or you're just going to rot. Here's the subpoints, Matthew 5, 44, for those of you taking notes. Here's the subpoints under forgive. Forgive your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that despitefully use you. Pray for them. There's the, my subpoints right there. When am I going to know God's covering? When am I going to experience what only God can do? When I am obedient to his Command, which is his covering, forgive. Hi, Lord, why these coverings? Why? Because I don't want that offense to take root in your heart and rot you. Mm. And then, oh, I wish we could push that clock back. Then there's another, there's two reasons. Number one, the reason why God wants me to extend the forgiveness he gave me is so I don't rot, but there's a bigger reason than me. <gasps> Turn to the lady next to you and say, there's a bigger reason than you. Yeah, yeah. We, we live in this, this cloistered, self-absorbed life, you know. There's, you mean there's something else 
that doesn't have anything to do with me? Yes. And I imagine all the angels in heaven are just going, they just don't get it. Here And here's what it is. Here is the most beautiful reason why God is telling me, child, use the covering I've supplied because you can't believe what's going to happen. Clint was about 13 or 14 years old, and we were all at the bowling alley. He loved, he loved to bowl. We went at a time where there would not be a lot of people. We, uh, we took him, and uh, just two lanes down from us, there was a group of guys and girls bowling. And uh, Clint goes down there, and now I'm standing back where the food is. Nobody sees me. Clint's down there. He has his ball and his shoes, and, and he looks over there, and he notices the girls because well, they're pretty girls, and Clint always has noticed pretty girls, okay? So he looks over there, and he starts nodding and raising his eyebrows, you know, and and, and then he takes his bowling ball, and uh, he goes up to the line. And then just before he goes to throw it, he's, he's going to make sure that they're looking. And so he stops, and he looks over, nods and smiles again, you know. And then he rears his arm back, gives it a throw, and, of course, it goes right into the gutter. Walks back. Well, in a heartbeat, those guys, now they're, they're just regular guys. They're teenage guys. They're probably 14 years old, okay? They start mocking Clint. They start making fun of Clint, and they start teasing the girls over the fact that Clint is looking at them and smiling at them. Now, they don't see me. I'm, I'm back here with the popcorn and the food, and I'm watching them, and as the mockery started getting a little more open and a little louder, I'm getting angrier and angrier. It's what we term mama bear anger. And you know what? Kathy's going grisly. <laughs> and in my righteous indignation, I am justifying immediately. I need to go right down there, and I need to educate those, those boys. I mean, I, and I have the language to do it. <laughs> and, I can, and I can wrap this up in a spiritual bow. They need to know what's right and wrong. Why? I don't have time, but you know what? One thing that just cranks me is when we wrap up our carnal reactions in spiritual bows and we justify what we want to say because God laid this on my heart. No, he didn't. This is out of my flesh. And girls, when we are angry, the very first response that, we, that wants to come out will always be fleshly because it's coming from a heart that's angry. And, the, and until we deal with it and learn, learn Christ. Do you know, even Christ, though he were a son of God, yet he learned obedience. How? In the things he suffered. That's Hebrews. Hebrews 4, I believe. Our very Jesus learned obedience. That just boggles my mind. And when did he learn it? In the things that he suffered. So here's Mama Bear up there. I'm seeing this go on, going on and immediately. I have learned to have a first response when I feel anger. Pray. Pray. Now, your prayer, your prayer when you're angry is not going to be spiritual. I'm going to tell you that right now, obviously. This was my immediate prayer. Dear God, do you see them? Do you see them mocking my son? This is the power of the word of God. When you have put the word of God faithfully in your head and your heart every day and you plant it there, that's what the Holy Spirit uses when you pray. 
He uses the word of God. He uses the truth. And when that truth is stored inside of you, he immediately goes to the pantry of your truth that you have stored in there, God's truth that you have stored in there. And when I literally said to God, God, do you see them? God said, yes, I do. And Jesus said, I don't just see them, Kathy. I remember it. I remember the mockery. I remember the hurt. And immediately my heart is convicted because we have a high priest who's been touched with every feeling, every rotten mockery, every hurtful word, every betrayal, every rejection. He felt all that so that when you and I feel it in this life, he knows exactly how to help us. And all this transpires, girls, in a split second when you submit it to God immediately. God, do you see them? Yes, I do, Kathy. And I remember it. Now let me help you. You want to know what happened? I said to Clint, Clint, you want to go get a Coke? Yeah, Mom. Because going down to get a Coke was going to take us right into the pathway of these kids. And so I walked down and I walked over to these kids and with a smile on my face I said, Clint was really noticing you. First of all, he always knows his pretty girls. But what he really wants to know is how do you bowl and not have it go in the gutter? And, of course, I targeted the one young man who had been especially mean about Clint. And I said, you know, he, you, you, don't, you get pins down. And Clint would love to do that. Would you show Clint how you hold your bowling ball? Well, sure. He walked over to Clint. He said, Clint, you don't hold it like this. You've got to hold it now. I had showed him a dozen times, of course, but you know, mom, who's mom? Chop liver. So he puts his hand on the ball. Then the other boy says, Clint, let me show you how to walk to approach those pins. With one boy on either side of him holding his arm, they walked down, they did the four steps, they dropped down, they held his arm so it would go straight. Clint, they shouted, let go, you know. They let go of the ball. That ball rolled and rolled and rolled and hit those pins. Eight pins went down. I was sure there were guardian angels just kicking over those pins down at the end of that bowling alley. They turned around, they gave Clint a high five, They congratulated him. We told them about our youth activity and our youth pastor, and we told them about our church, and we gave them gospel tracts and invited them out to the services, and then we walked down and got our Coke. Before those kids left, do you know what they did? They all walked over to where Clint was to say goodbye to Clint. Now, those kids could not see what they needed to see until Mama Bear saw them as God saw saw them. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. And God says, Kathy, I want you to see something, something that is so much bigger and so more important than yourself and your hurt feelings. They need to see me. They need to see me. Now, next week, we are going to get into the practical aspect of four groups that we need to continually forgive. And it is so good and it is so practical. But right now, keep your thinking caps on for just one more minute. This is what I want to ask you. Do you want to experience what God is able to do through you today? I guarantee you we're going to walk into some imperfection. 
in a heartbeat. Do you want to experience what God and only God can do through you today? Ephesians 3.20, Now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above what you ask or think according, what? According to the power that works where? In us. In us. You have that power in you because you are in Christ. God, in his loving forgiveness, took care of Kathy, who's rotten, in the core. He says, child, take my covering. Quit going with all of these other coverings. They're going to continue the rot. I've got something I died for you to have. So you don't have to live rotten in the core, but you can live free. And God's going to want to use something today. Will you use God's covering? Will you forgive that person? Will you trust in the Lord concerning that experience and know God's covering? Father, may we be so quick to learn Christ. And Father, I pray that even the experience of knowing your peace, even when we don't see the results, but God, you give that peace that passes understanding. And Lord, nothing feels sweeter and more secure than that. Lord, I pray for each of these dear ladies. We're going to run into imperfection right away. May we be excited about the covering that you've provided so that you will accomplish what only you can do through us. And we'll give you all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen.